Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes, In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 145 is entitled, Pride versus Humility. In the Middle Ages, pride was identified as one of the seven deadly sins. In the following, Linda shall read four definitions of sin from the New Testament. 1. All unrighteousness is sin. 1 John 3, 8. 2. Sin is the transgression of the law. 1 John 3, 4. 3. To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. James 4, 17. 4. By the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans 3, 29. First, we learn that sin is the opposite of righteousness. To know sin, one must know what is righteous. Second, we learn that sin is the transgression of law. If there is no law, there is no sin. Third, we learn that one must have knowledge of sin for one to be accountable for sin. And fourth, we learn that studying the law is the only way to understand sin. The opposite of pride is humility. It is only through opposites that we can comprehend either. How can one understand pride unless one understands humility, or humility unless one understands pride? In this podcast, I would like to briefly compare pride with humility. Paul tells us, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 I suppose that pride is one of those sins common to man. Pride, of course, is a sword with two edges. We may take pride in our work or our family or our country and so on without committing sin. Healthy pride is a good thing. I suppose one way to distinguish healthy pride from unhealthy pride is through consequences. Healthy pride leads to happiness. Unhealthy pride leads to destruction. We all know the dictum, pride goeth before the fall. Satan, once called Lucifer, an angel of light, a son of the morning, fell by pride. And it is through pride that he seeks our fall. Peter warns us. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourself unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. 1 Peter 5, 5-6 God resists the proud, but exalts the humble. Those who exalt themselves will be made low. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's again turn for our example to Lucifer. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit also upon the mound of the congregation in the sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit, They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee, and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? Isaiah 14, 12-16
However, it isn't always on such a grand scale. Often it is the small things that bring us down. On the one hand, self-reliance is a noble endeavor. We should all strive to be self-reliant. Sometimes, however, we must humble ourselves and accept help, even seek help from others. It is common for the sick to resist the cure while living in denial. It is oddly in the nature of those who selflessly serve to resist service from others, even when sorely needed. Pride is like a constantly blowing wind that seeks entrance in every crack. We look for pride in dissembling wickedness, but it is just as often found in swelling righteousness. Of course, we need to carefully vet those from whom we seek help. Some purchase our freedom by offering promises of deliverance. Many have been enslaved by malevolent charity. On the other hand, many have stubbornly refused help when it would have lightened their load and freed them from bondage. All true charity leads to freedom. All false charity leads to bondage. We must be very careful from whom we seek charity, yet we should not stubbornly refuse all charity because of false pride. We are facing temptations and addictions today that we did not have to face in the past. It is a temptation because of embarrassment or other personal pride to deny the illness. All repentance begins with recognition of problems. And even if admitted, some deny the help of outside sources. Sometimes trying it alone leads to repeated failures, causing one to give up. Many people who have overcome addictions after suffering terribly anxiously offer their services to help others. Their experiences can often help those caught up in the net to fight their addictions and to avoid some of the same trials. True repentance requires humility, courage, boldness, action, commitment, honesty, sacrifice, and wisdom. False pride is a painted monster that can be punctured by a pen like a balloon and be revealed for what it is, empty air. We can learn about pride by looking at the synonyms. For that, I turn to my trusted friend, J.R. Rodell, in his fine book, The Synonym Finder. Self-importance, self-exaltation, swagger, egotism, self-glorification, conceit, self-complacency, self-satisfaction, smugness, haughtiness, loftiness, disdain, insolence, vainglory, arrogance, imperiousness, contemptuousness, boasting. The opposite of pride is humility. I suppose that some take a great deal of pride in their humility, which throws some doubt on their sincerity. Still others become so self-defacing that it leads to self-destruction. To the ancient Greeks, the golden mean was one of the highest virtues. An inscription at the Temple of Delphi read, Nothing in excess. The Greeks advised to take the middle ground. Socrates said, Know how to choose the mean and avoid the extremes on either side as far as possible. We could use that advice in our overheated political climate today. In Ezekiel we read, Exalt him that is low and abase him that is high. Ezekiel 21.26 In Daniel we read, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Daniel 4.37 In Matthew, the words of the Savior echo the same sentiments. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Matthew 23.12 
It is probably easier to overcome pride than it is to acquire humility. Humility generally comes by a forced recognition of our own weaknesses. Tragedy is the best teacher of humility. I am reminded of a famous poem by Percy Shelley. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read which yet survive, stamped on those lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. On the pedestal these words appear, My name is Osmandius, king of kings. Look on my work, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing besides remains round the decay of the colossal wreck. Boundless and bare, the lone and level sand stretch far away. Percy Shelley's Osmandius Some synonyms for humility are Humbleness, meekness, self-abasement, submission, modesty, loneliness of mind, lowliness of spirit, timidity, resignation, reserve, diffidence, shyness, bashfulness, demureness, unobtrusiveness, inferiority, subjugation, subservience, obsequiousness, obedience, lowliness. Clearly, as with pride, the golden mean is best. Humility that leads to humbleness, meekness, modesty, reserve, obedience, and lowliness of heart lead to repentance, and repentance leads to sanctification. Whereas self-abasement, timidity, resignation, inferiority, obsequiousness may lead to despair. The Holy Scriptures praise meekness. The meek shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 5. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. Isaiah 29.13 Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. Matthew 11.28-30 he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Matthew twenty twenty seven. Christ also said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Matthew ten sixteen. The one who said that, though, also drove the money changers out of the temple with a whip. We do not live in a simple world, and we cannot afford to be simple-minded. Peter warns us. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5, 8 I suppose the Greeks were right. We should seek the golden mean. But we must be very careful where we get our standards of judgment. We have the Holy Scriptures covering thousands of years of experience as our guide. We also have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ, a good mind that understands the power of induction and deduction, eyes that see and ears that hear and mouths that speak. Let me be bold here, though I don't pretend to speak with any authority, just experience. Looking back over my life, I often fought with the many-headed hydra of ambiguous circumstances. 
My personal emotions often obscured my judgment, and my judgment was complicated by feelings of guilt because of self-gratification. I have often cheated myself for fear of doing the wrong thing. However, many times, though it advanced my cause, satisfied my desire for justice, and fed my desire for revenge, it was also the right thing to do. Knowing that weakness in my nature, this is how I learned to deal with it. I disregarded my emotions and looked with a cold eye upon the circumstances, and I applied the words of an obscure English poet, Clough. Play no tricks on thy soul, O man. Let fact be fact, and life a thing it can. This mortal earth, so turbulent on the surface, belching fire, shaking cities, scorching the earth, hurling its hurricanes, tornadoes, lightnings, thunders, floods, willy-nilly, wherever it will, all of which is tamed to the storms that rage inside of us, creating confusion, while the earth, so beautiful and peaceful looking when photographed from a satellite as it silently slides through the quiet night in an eternal orbit around the raging fires of our life-given sun. Yet the balance of the earth is so delicate that if even one constant were off a fraction so small that the human mind cannot comprehend it, it would self-destruct, and all life on it would disappear in an instant, suddenly. So it is with each of us. Our lives are also so delicately balanced that one thing may send euphoria, another madness and self-destruction, creating chaos and death to those caught in the vortex. Only days ago, a young man took a rifle and shot randomly into an innocent crowd of total strangers celebrating our national holiday. Many were murdered and more were seriously wounded because somewhere on his journey, that boy barely out of his teens slipped into a kind of madness. Yet here we are. We cannot escape the question, why? What is at stake? We must find that delicate balance and so order our lives that we bring joy out of sorrow, happiness out of misery order out of chaos, and faith out of despair. I have no doubt that only Christ is the answer, that only Christ can sanctify us, that only through obedience to the laws of Christ can we have that necessary balance and the wisdom to discern between virtue and vice, good and evil, right and wrong. I suppose a good place as any to start is with humility. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.